Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons Podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Safety Perspectives from Region 6 podcast. I'm John Serma here in Houston, Texas. With me is my partner from Dallas, Texas, Frank Davis. Good morning, Frank. Hey, good morning, John. Glad to be with you on this final installment of 2023 for our podcast here regarding Region 6. And here we are ready to talk about 2023. Kind of what I kind of view 2023 is, and and, and this episode is, you know, 2023, the year that was and the year that wasn't. And and I, I thought it might be helpful for our listeners to talk about some of the things that OSHA did and some of the things OSHA didn't do in 2023 and, and, you know, how that might impact what 2024 and beyond looks like. And and I thought we'd start off with talking about the instance by instance citation policy and, and the kind of corresponding memo that pulled back on the grouping of citations. And, and, and Frank, I don't know what your experience has been, but I really haven't seen those two policies, those two memos have a real impact in the citation, actually in the inspections that I've handled. What's your experience been with those two guidance documents? Well, in Region 6, you know, that's certainly been my experience. I haven't seen uh, any new implementation of instance by instance or or shying away from grouping in Region 16. And, And in fact, I've seen some significant citations coming out of Region 16 where they're still aggressively hey, grouping. Hey, Frank, we got to dial it back a little bit. We're, we're, we're 10 regions below Region 16. Oh, my, my apologies. Yeah, I'm talking about uh, National Labor Relations Board. Sometimes I cross over uh, uh, inadvertently. But nevertheless, I am talking about OSHA. I am talking about Region 6. And I haven't seen much. I haven't, I haven't seen any new implementation of uh, an instance-by-instance citation policy in this region. Uh, And I think that that's because the area directors and the assistant area directors in this region have been around for a while and are still pretty practical. And and I think they tend to understand that instance-by-instance may not be the most effective way to get the message across. And as I was saying, uh, I've even seen some significant cases issue, significant citations issue in cases where they're still aggressively grouping. Uh, And and I think that by continuing to group like that, it it gives us a better potential for early resolution uh, as opposed to uh, if they were issuing instance by instance. Yeah, I think, and, and your experience echoes my experience or mirrors my experience or whatever the right term for that is. You know, I, you're more eloquent about some of those things than I am, so you, you, you can pick the term. You know, I've found, and I think this is interesting, and I, I, I'm curious what your experience is. I, I've kind of found that in the course of negotiation of citations and resolutions in informal conferences, 
that the area directors and assistant area directors seem pretty happy to, to group things together. And, and whereas the guidance suggests that, you know, they should shy away from that, it seems like, it seems almost like the exact opposite has been taking place. I think that their approach of grouping is a smart approach. Uh, and, and practically speaking, I've seen it in state plan states on the West Coast as well, where they're continuing to group even late in the year that they haven't, uh, haven't adopted that policy. So uh, I, I think that's just good management and good resolution while still achieving the, the objectives of the act, right? Because they're still uh, getting the item uh, or, or getting the specific element of the, uh, of the standard that was allegedly violated uh, in, into, uh, in, into a permanent standing so they can reissue a repeat on it if they wanted to. But um, by making the front end a little more manageable for a client uh, and giving, giving those clients an opportunity to correct their practices for uh, a first violation. It seems to me like that's really more in line with what the agency's stated purpose is, right? Is just getting employer compliance. I agreed. Agreed. Shifting gears a little bit, Frank, you know, there was a lot of talk at the beginning of the year about a heat injury and illness prevention standard coming into effect. Um, you know, I think there was a, a, a fairly high expectation that that would happen, you know, late spring, early summer, certainly midsummer of 2023, and, and that's yet to happen. Curious to, to hear what your thoughts are relative to should we expect this coming in 2024, given that 2024 is an election year, you know, is, is that something that's going to go to the back burner? Any thoughts on, on heat injury and illness and prevention standard and, and what that might look like in 2024? I know you're going to ask me about this also, uh, what I think about it, but I think infectious disease is the front runner ahead of the heat illness standard. And I think they're having a hard time with the heat illness standard, figuring out how they're going to implement it federally for for all regions, right? I mean, it, it, it's different if you're doing it for a state, for instance, California, because the, the weather is is significantly more predictable, I would say, in California, although people from California might disagree. But every time I've been out there, I thought, dang, this is nice. Uh, but, you know, you go from Texas to Maine, there are drastic differences in in temperatures between those two regions. And they're both governed by uh, by federal OSHA. So I, I feel like they're just having a hard time reconciling how they're going to manage Florida and Texas versus, you know, versus um, uh, being far up north uh, like Maine, where it's probably already snowing. And just, I'm not sure that they've been able to conceptualize how they're going to be able to implement a heat illness program like that. Moreover, you look at it, and in areas where you would expect to see high instances of heat illness, I think you've got a lot of employers already making self-adjustments. Maybe it's based on the general duty clause uh, that uh, you know that OSHA is going out and enforcing, uh, or or maybe it's just responsible employers. And of course, that gets my vote. Responsible employers, it's hot outside, so they're taking more breaks. I know every. Every heat stress case that I've been part of uh, where OSHA was inspecting, the employers were responsible employers. The employers 
had in fact uh, initiated a, their their own programs to reduce employee exposure to heat, and we're doing the right training objectives for employees, teaching them the, the right things, making sure they had shade and places to to go and cool off, including uh, air conditioned facilities or air conditioned vehicles. So uh, I'm. I, I just kind of feel like OSHA doesn't have an urgent sense about the heat illness standard right now. Uh, so I really don't, I, I, I would be frankly, personally, I'd be surprised to see a heat illness standard passed by, by this time next year. Uh, what do you think? Am I, am I living in a world of rose colored glasses in my Pollyanna role? Well, that's kind of a separate question from <laughs> is, a standard going to be implemented. And this is um, the problem yes. with presenting a podcast with a good friend. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is true. Um, so I, I agree with you. I, I have a slightly different take on things only from the perspective of, you know, I, I think under the general duty clause, you know, actually, let, let me step back a second. You know, for at least a decade now, OSHA has been taking enforcement action or has been talking about enforcement action relative to heat injury illness and prevent uh, injury prevention. Um, you know, the number of citations that are issued versus the number of folks who are either stricken and made ill from some heat injury or illness situation or die, you know, far outstrips the number of citations that are actually issued and you know, litigated, the number of citations are actually litigated and, and OSHA's success rate in litigating those citations is, is pretty darn low. And I, I, I think that, you know, kind of the, the numbers game is hurting OSHA and, 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 and probably is informing their path forward. And, and I think they're struggling with the, the points that you raise, as well as some others that are kind of super highly technical that in per, for purposes of discussing in a podcast where we're going to try to keep ourselves to 15 minutes, but probably stretch to 20, I, I, we just don't have the time. But I, I agree. I think that the likelihood of one being implemented in 2024 is low. But, but you know, keeping with we need to, to kind of keep moving along, you mentioned infectious diseases, and, and we were talking about healthcare clients earlier and, and getting kind of detailed. But with infectious diseases, ultimately, we're, the, the, what most people think of is kind of a COVID-type related standard. For those in the back bench, you know, infectious diseases and it, you know, encapsulates COVID as well as a whole bunch of other things. And so, you know, because COVID seems to be on its way out in certain respects, you know, th th there's some thought that OSHA may come up with a uh, infectious disease standard. And you know, in terms of that happening, Frank, what are you looking at? What are you thinking about? I'm thinking that they have a better chance of getting that standard through by 2024. Uh, they uh, obviously they still have uh, a lot of uh, a, a lot of distinguishing factors between different types of infectious disease to work out, but it just seems to me like they're a little closer to a, a standard that they'll be able to, to implement with regard to, you know, if we go and we look at the emergency temporary standard from COVID, uh, they, they have some, some, some big muscle movements there that seem like they would be generally applicable to any infectious disease, right? The, the, the requirement 
to write down the hazard assessment, the requirement to consider proper processes, uh, especially with regard to PPE and donning and doffing PPE, um, um, positive and negative pressure environments, filtration systems, uh, maybe a lot of it focused on healthcare, maybe a lot of it focused on on uh, just maintaining good separation between operations to this to the extent it's feasible. I just get the sense that that's something that they'd be able to imp- implement on a broader scale, and uh, and and something that's harder for them uh, as a practical matter to enforce using a general duty clause, right? So th- that's that's my sense. It's just. It's just my gut sense. It, it's, it's nothing that I've heard that, that it's imminent. It just feels like it's something that they ought to be able to, to get out um, if, if it's something that remains a priority for the administration uh, into next year. Yeah, and I, I think if we see kind of another, you know, big bump in COVID or, you know, if you look at the news lately and, and kind of health news. I mean, you see all sorts of what I characterize as seasonal infectious diseases kind of popping up across the globe. And, you know, if, if we have kind of another big uptick of, of, you know, some sort of whatever the latest bug is, whether it's COVID related or flu or whatever, I, I think you're very well right. Keeping it in, in, in the healthcare lane, Frank, you know, there was a lot of talk and a lot of expectation this past year relative to uh, a workplace violence standard, particularly as relates to healthcare, and there was, I think, a, a fairly significant number of people that thought that we would see a standard by the end of 2023. That doesn't appear to be in the cards with the amount of time left this year. What do you think? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you don't I mean, think so. of, <laughs> hey, don't call me Captain Obvious. Um, <laughs> But I, I mean, do you think we're going to see one in 2024? Again, this is an issue that's been percolating for, you know, the better part of a decade. And, and it just seems like, you know, OSHA goes so far and then kind of peters out. What do you think 2024 is going to look like with respect to a standard relating to workplace violence in healthcare? I, mean, I haven't seen any big movements toward um, even getting the, the small businesses to schedule those meetings and do those calls and and maybe I missed it, but uh, but I don't think so. I think it's something that we would have republicized uh, internally. And I haven't even seen a movement in that direction. If they're not going to begin that process um, after 10 years of kicking, kicking the can down the road, I, I don't anticipate it for 2024. I just don't foresee workplace violence getting through next year. Or, or remaining a priority to get through. I, I haven't seen enough press on it. Haven't seen any action by the agency to advance it. I think this is on an extraordinarily slow walk. So shifting gears a little bit, Frank, walk around rule happens or doesn't? Well, I think they're going to work real hard to make it happen. I saw some pretty brilliant comments from from the industry. I'm interested to see how OSHA responds to these comments. I'm interested to see how OSHA reconciles their walk-around rule uh, with the National Labor Relations Act. We've spoken in the past about how that just seems like an obvious conflict, a jurisdictional conflict. You know, the Labor Board and uh, has exclusive jurisdiction over selecting 
uh, an, an individual represent, uh, representative for a bargaining unit. So I'm not sure how they're going to reconcile that. What I suspect, though, is if if they decide they do want to reconcile it with whatever they they make up, uh, I think the labor board will back them and say, yeah, that's a good interpretation. I, I feel like the labor board won't fight them. Uh, and that is one of the elements that they'll look for when they're, that the judges will look for when they're trying to decide uh, whether there's a jurisdictional bar is how the agency uh, that is charged with enforcing the rule is, uh, is, is interpreting it. So for instance, the national labor relations board is in charge right, of right. Frank, lightning round, lightning round, shifting <laughs> gears slightly, UNT immigration visas, big deal, not a big deal in OSHA inspections in 2024. They're going to continue to expand that. They're going to continue to expand that under this administration through 2024 uh, to the extent that it benefits the agency and, and the social agenda. Last round of the lightning round, cooperation between... NLRB and OSHA, big deal in 2024 or not? Yeah, if you just give me a second, I was going to get to that. Big deal. They're, they're, the Labor Board is going to back OSHA's opinion about uh, the, its authority to issue the walk-around uh, rule. Well, Frank, that brings us very close to being within 20 minutes. It's been a blast. It's been a great year. I've enjoyed doing podcasts with you. I look forward to doing podcasts with you again in 2024. I hope your holidays are great. I hope that you have a, a wonderful end of the year and uh, look forward to working with you in 2024. Back at you, John. Uh, have a great holiday. Thank you, Frank. Catch you in 2024. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.